Hey, this is Skep Jackson. Thank you for joining me today on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Here's a little bit of what you're going to hear on the show. Oh, boy, yeah, it does change, change the lakes. I mean, and they've got, you know, a couple options. I mean, the fish can either suspend out over deeper water or turn into night feeders once the water gets super clear, or they kind of can bury themselves in the weeds. And, you know, that extra water clarity causes the weed lines to keep going deeper. So, you know, what used to be, you know, 8, 9, 10 foot deep edge of the weeds now can be, you know, 14 feet and beyond in some of these zebra mussel lakes. And it, you know, it's an exponential growth thing. It's like two, four, six, you know, 50. (laughs) Think about how many boat launches there are, right? And how many hours there are in a day, how many hours there are in the entire fishing season. And it's not just anglers, it's also duck hunters, right? And anyone who uses this, these aquatic resources, it's impossible to track all of those things and prevent the spread by monitoring. Yeah. Right? So we have to somehow have us shift this mindset where we don't need to monitor. You're going to do this because you know it's right. Beyond, it's all on the way. Fishing pool keys, tackle box in my hand Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man But the wife, she just don't understand I love walleye, perch, trout, and bass And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back Cause the fishes all tremble at the thought of me When I'm fishing for Bunyan Country Well, checking in with Paul Nelson of uh, Paul, what's the name of your guide service again? Bemidji Area Lakes Guide Service. Well, that's, that's about as easy as it gets. Yeah, it's kind of self-descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> and you were just uh, just off the water. You're out fishing today. What what do we have going on? Well, it was a light wind today, and it was they've been a little better in the morning uh, with the clouds. But uh, I was on leech today, and we did pretty good. I mean, we got our limited walleyes and a bunch of perch, so I'll be cleaning fish like crazy here in a bit. <laughs> that's good news, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so far on the season, what have you seen out there? Where have you fished, and, and what's what's going on? Most of it's shoreline connected. You know, I haven't fished anything, you know, offshore. Some of the humps will start to get fish. Usually the stuff closest to shore, that there's kind of a natural pathway from the shoreline that leads out to it. Rather than the isolated stuff, those will get populated first. But it's still a shoreline bite. Uh, you know, it's either you know, on sand flats with some weeds or, or on rocks, there seems to be fish on both. We're getting some, you know, good weed growth on, on leech. You've got that, you know, the milfoil there is already green and probably three, four feet off the bottom. That stuff really, you know, outcompetes the, the coontail and the cabbage. So right. it kind of changes the lake when you get that. But, you know, they're, they're either on the cara or the little sand patches in between the cara or, or on the rocks on leech. But most other lakes, it's, you know, a shoreline structure, maybe, you know, six feet at the shallowest end of it, and, you know, maybe out to, you know, maybe 12, 13, 14, depending on what conditions you have during the day, but pretty much a shoreline jig and minnow bite still. Jig and minnow, that's, uh, that's, you know, the easiest for a lot of people. Is that what you like? I do. You know, I, I like, you can't get spot tails, uh, you know, all year long, so I try to use them as, as long as they're available. And the, you know, the fish sure love them, so. Okay, yeah, and 
I, to me, it's just a, it's just a fun way to fish, and it usually means that the fish are are fairly active, which means for for a green angler, it's it's a it's a little easier fishing too. It is. I mean, you know, feeling that light bite on a live bait rig, and I mean, there's you know guys that uh, you know are on the pro circuit that do a lot of trolling and stuff where. You know, those guys don't get to do that live bait rig bite. And it, it, it's a finesse and a little more difficult bite, you know. When they eat a jig, they're eating your sinker, basically, too. So, I mean, you feel it, you're hooked up directly to it, and it's kind of, you know, you feel a bite, and that's a hook. When you're uh, out fishing with, with uh, clients, are they generally uh, experienced, uh, not experienced, a little of both? What's well, your you get, you get the whole gambit. I mean, I, I guide... Uh, it's from a local camp, you know, so I get some kids that, you know, are barely old enough to hang on to the fishing rod or, you know, you get the retired guys that have fished all their life, but they don't uh, want to maintain a boat or, you know, take care of that or clean the fish or, you know, they don't want to, they, they want the gravy part and they don't want to have to do the other parts. So, you know, it, it varies, you know, and, and most of these guys, I mean, they work all, you know, the guys I got today, I mean, they're both, uh, you know, like foremen in factories that, you know, they work hard all year for a couple of weeks up here you sure. know and we get to live here so that's where something yeah absolutely um has the bite been good this year would you say i it has been good on days but i mean the water is still cold geez i was on uh bemidji earlier in the week and there was the side of of the you know it was pretty windy so i was actually hiding from the the waves a little bit on the calm side with the wind blowing away from that side, and there was still 49 degree water out there. Ugh. So, you know, it's, it, I haven't seen much warmer than 55. You know, I, I think our first 70s are expected this week. So, you know, it, it, it really has been kind of an unusual spring. I mean, that, that Memorial Day bite is usually kind of the peak bite, but the, the bigger fish are just starting to show up. I mean, we released one about 28 inches today and a couple other over 20s uh, today, but, I mean, those are some of the first bigger females I've actually seen. I've been getting mostly males. You've been on a lot of lakes over a lot of years, and so you, you can give us a good, uh, you know, pan on this. Uh, we've got zebra mussels in a number of lakes now. Are you noticing anything significantly different? Oh, boy, yeah, it does change change the lakes. I mean, and they've got you know, a couple of options. I mean, the fish can either suspend out over deeper water or turn into night feeders once the water gets super clear, or they kind of can bury themselves in the weeds. And, you know, that extra water clarity causes the weed lines to keep going deeper. So, you know, what used to be, you know, 8, 9, 10 foot deep edge of the weeds now can be, you know, 14 feet and beyond in some of these zebra mussel lakes. And it you know, it's an exponential growth thing. It's like two, four, six, you know, fifty <laughs> kind of deal yeah. with, yeah. with uh, zebra mussels. So I mean, it happens over you know over a few years. So the changes take a while to happen, but it it definitely changes things. I don't know. You know, it it, it kind of makes the lakes favor panfish a little bit better, or or perch. But it you know it doesn't seem to be you know, as devastating maybe as as we had feared, but you certainly have to learn to fish differently. You know, everybody used to, you know, like you're dragging a, or trolling or drifting, you know, you're dragging in the shadow of the boat. And a lot of times, or, you know, with uh, conventional sonars where you're doing 2D or you're going and looking directly below the boat, you can spook those fish driving over them once. 
So, you know, the new features on the, you know, with the side imaging and stuff where you can actually see fish out to the side of the boat without seeing them, you really got to play it coy and kind of be very conscious of trying not to spook the fish and trying not to sit on top of them. So it, it really does change the way you have to fish. You've got, you've got to adjust. More with Paul Nelson to come, plus another query for the aquatic biologist. This is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Take good notes so you sound smart. This is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Dr. Andy, our resident aquatic biologist from Bemidji State University, will join me later on. But my first guest today is Paul Nelson from the Bemidji Area Lakes Guide Service. And Paul, you know what I've heard about casts is that the, you know still plenty of your classes, plenty of fish, healthy populations. But man, it used to it was always an early morning and late evening. Now it's early, early morning, late, late evening. You know that's true. You know, and and if you can find. Some of the fish that are up in the weeds, you you know, you've got a chance during the day because they're underneath that stuff, you know. And it, but it, you know, you have to use, you know, like plastics or, you know, you can use a jig and minnow pretty much all summer long. If you know, but you can't usually get the minnows you want. But even you know, with a fathead or something else, and, you know, it, it it changes the way you fish. And there are things that you can do with it. But yeah, that's super clear water when you get a. You know, a flat, calm day, but leech and cats are probably the worst at that, where, you know, you can really, you can struggle during the year because, I mean, the days are, you know, 15 hours plus long. So right. the fish aren't forced to feed all day long. They can, they can afford to, you know, to pick their times and their places. You know, so if you're doing the regular middle day stuff, sure, there's, there's fish feeding at any time of day or night, but, you know, playing the percentages are certainly low bite. And, you know, I'm getting too old to fish after dark. Geez, <laughs> if I was taking night trips now that didn't start till nine ten o'clock at night, I'd be a tired camper. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same as it used to be for us. I know that. No, it is. It is not. But you gotta. You know, it's not a a good time. I think for a. You know, one of these people that aren't familiar with the area, or a new guy to try. You know, put these things together and figure it out. And for you know, old guys that are kind of set in their ways it's it's a change for everybody you know and the fish are still there you just got to figure out different ways to catch them yeah yeah well let's uh, go with the traditional wisdom um when do we start having to think about moving from a jig and a minnow into some of those other types of presentations what what water temp are we looking at well the closer you get to 60 degrees what's actually happening is those shiners are finishing spawning and they spend their summers uh, suspended over deeper water. They're, you know, anybody that's ever tried to keep a shiner minnow alive in a bucket realized that, you know, they're real touchy on oxygen and temperature. So, you know, they're that way when they're in the lake, too. So they have to stay in their, you know, preferred temperature range or they don't survive too well. So when those things are done spawning and they bail out of the shoreline, that removes the key food source that, uh, you know, the fish, that, that they're the reason that the walleyes are on the shoreline. So when they start to spread out, the walleyes kind of follow suit and they look for the next next best thing. And that's the insect hatches that happen. You know, and those are happening out of, you know, the mid-lake structures that are surrounded, surrounded by the basin. That's mud. You know, most of those insects are coming out of the mud. 
So when they're hatching, they, you know, they can feed directly on insects because there's a bunch of different things. You know, the bloodworms turn into midges, uh, but there's also a couple different kinds of mayflies, dragonflies. There's all sorts of things in the lake, and they can feed directly on those insects. But a lot of times they're actually feeding on the small perch and other bait fish that are feeding on those insects. And they will go along that, the edges of structure in that hard to soft break line where it, you know, it goes from parts of bottom transitioning into mud. So they get the stuff that lives in the mud as well as the stuff that lives on hard bottom. And walleyes are kind of a, you know, they like a smorgasbord. They like a lot of, a lot of choices. For food, so you know the next best bet is going to, or next explosion of food is going to be out into the lake and on the mid lake stuff uh, when those insect hats start to happen. And there's a few midges and a few things; they're the first ones to come out, and you're starting to see a few of those. And there'll be minor insect hatches all summer long. There's already some insect hatching, but it's those explosions off the bottom where there's so many insects hatching that you can actually see them on your sonar and see the big clouds of them, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the next thing after the shiners leave the shoreline. Okay. If we were, if you were to choose the lake you most want to fish right now, what's, what's the lake you're liking? Oh, Bemidji's still been a little bit slow. Cast has been okay, but there's been a lot of boats on it. Um, maybe partly because there was a tournament on there last weekend. Leech has been good. Uh, but again, I don't, you know, I've got a tiller boat, so I, I don't like it with too much wind. I like it with some wind. I haven't been up to red yet, but that, you know, it's not as red hot as it was earlier in the year, but it's still probably better than most. Lake of the Woods has been good, too. So I'll just kind of look at the weather and, and pick the day and see what the guys want to fish. And, you know, I like fishing different stuff. I get bored fishing the same stuff all the time. So, um, you know, there we've got so many good lakes up here. Geez, the list is endless. Oh, yes. I mean, the black duck has been pretty good, but the weed growth kind of carried over from the winter there. So it's, you know, there's a lot of weeds on the bottom and stuff. So it's kind of frustrating for some anglers to be able to fish. If they drag on the bottom too much, they come up with weeds every time. So geez, there's all sorts of variables where you're trying to, you know, what they want to fish, what the weather's going to be like, what you think their experience level is. So there's, there's a lot of factors trying to make people happy. All right. Paul, if people want to use your services, what's the best way to get something lined up? You can either leave me a text or call me at 218-760-7751 or send me an email. It's a long one, but it makes sense. It's panelsonbemidji at gmail.com. Okay. And, Paul, uh, you still have some spots left, I'm guessing. Oh, I do. Yep. I'm an old-timer, so I've lost a lot of customers to the... um, I've had a number of customers die that, that come year after year. You know, when you get older, that's just kind of the way life goes. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've got open dates more later in the year. My June's pretty busy. My July's kind of about half booked. My August and September are pretty open yet. So okay. I still got open dates. And I know, you know, I work with a couple other guides. So if I can't take you, I can find somebody good who can. All right. And I know you're still, uh, you're still uh, writing in the Pioneer. When, when can we read your stuff in the Pioneer? That's in the Sunday paper now. They've moved it around a little bit, but it's in the Sunday edition now, every week. All right. Paul Nelson from the Bemidji Area Lakes Guide Service. Paul, thanks for taking the time today. We appreciate it. You're very welcome. You're listening to Fish and Ball Bunyan Country, where all the cool kids hang out. And Kev Jackson, too.
Time once again to ask the aquatic biologist, Dr. Andrew Hafes, out of Bemidji State University's Aquatic Biology Department. Andy, we talked a lot about uh, zebra mussels last week, and we kind of got into this topic to some degree. But really, um, we hear a lot about it all the time, and I like asking you about it because you've got that true knowledge of how it all, all systems work as an aquatic biologist. So what are the things we can do and need to do to stop the spread of AIS, whether it be zebra mussels or curly pondweed or uh, Eurasian water milfoil, whatever it is. So uh, the biggest thing is education, right? And just we really need everybody's mindset to just be that this is part of what we do now. You bring life vests on the boat, right? You have a fire extinguisher on the boat. We check for invasive species before we leave the lake. Those are essential components of using the aquatic ecosystems. That is the mindset we need to convince the public to have. If we're going to have any hope of winning this battle or slowing the progress, the spread of AIS. Yeah. Right. I know that, you know, more and more lakes and, uh, and um, um, public um, um, boat landings, they've got, got it right there. They got the... the, the whole thing right there for you to clean off your boat. Bro mm-hmm. um, Bozdahl, one of the guys I talk to a lot on fishing Paul Bunyan country, he's got his own hot water system at his house. Um, if you love the outdoors, if you love being on the water, and um, I know it's an expense, but, you know, you need to do this. Right. It's just, in, think about how many boat launches there are, right? And how many hours there are in a day, how many hours there are in the entire fishing season. And it's not just anglers, it's also duck hunters, right? And anyone who uses this, these aquatic resources, it's impossible to track all of those things and prevent the spread by monitoring. Yeah. Right? So we have to somehow have us shift this mindset where we don't need to monitor. You're going to do this because you know it's right Right, and I'm going to do my part to try to protect these resources because I like the way they are right now. I like the walleye fishing, the perch there. I like the water clarity in Lake Bemidji, or any other system, and I want it to stay natural and normal. So, it's a mindset thing. Yeah. Okay. We're trying. We're we're playing defense now, right? Yeah. Clearly. <clears throat> Let's go up the up the water, up, upstream, if you will. We talked, um, I think last time, we, we discussed the fact that it came, you know, zebra mussels came from Europe, boats coming into the Great Lakes. Has there been anything done in regards to things like this um, to, to help? Or are, or are they just leaving it up to us downstream? No, they're, I mean, the Great Lakes, an extraordinary amount of resources have been put into this. Okay. Right. And I know there are, I think there are, there's even research going on how to effectively treat the ballast water of ships, right? Is there a way to, I guess, inoculate? Is that the right word? Or uh, yeah, make sure that that ballast water that comes from those ships is clean and try to prevent any further damage. Uh, but a lot of them, the ship has sailed, right? Zebra mussels are out of the Great Lakes where they started. Yeah. And a lot of them, right. other ones are too as well, so... 
we need to all do our part now, not just agencies. No, and I and but, I and I totally agree with that. I just was wondering if there was anything being done, uh, you know, internationally working together to um, you know try to stop this what, both both ways. We might. We don't not I'm sure Europe doesn't want us to bring our stuff over there right, either, right? right. <laughs> well, I don't know, like largemouth bass and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> yeah, we like that the pheasant. Good. Yeah, I always <laughs> think this is very interesting. I probably never thought about that either, but nobody complains about a pheasant or a brown trout. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Theoretically, well, there's a zebra mussel, right? Yeah. Uh, so. I, the amount of money that has been invested into this these issues nationally, globally, is staggering. Really, unreal. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So, but the main thing is, right here, right now, me, you, Todd, in the next office. What we do is we got we got to we got to check those boats. Every individual. Yeah. If you're at a boat launch and you're seeing somebody else that's not doing this, you should be thinking in your head. Whoa. Why aren't they doing that? That that's when everybody has that mindset. Then we're there, right? Yeah. That you know that it's wrong. That you should be checking your boats and treating your bait appropriately and pulling the plug on your boat and all of that, right? I think there's one other thing that that is brought up and is is important, but not as often because we don't think about it as often. People sell their docks, and right. when the dock is pulled out of the lake. There is a required amount of time it needs to stay dry before it can be put in another different, a different right. body. Right. Where is that right? dock going? And yep. yes, for sure. Uh, so you need to you need to check into that and follow that regulation as well. Just yeah, it's not just the boats. You're right for sure. You know, if you sell your dock to the to the guy the next lake over, he can't put it in the next day. That there there needs to be a, a set amount of time, I believe. That it's I know they make dry. our dry make us dry our nets for 21 days. So yeah. I think it's like like a month or something yep. like that. So, yeah, there's again so many things, and and uh, and the main thing is just be alert all the time, right? That's for sure, right? Okay. Care about it. Yeah. Care about the resources that you're using. You're enjoying them, mm-hmm. right? Be passionate about it. Well, and, and I and I think that's definitely the case. I'm seeing more and more of that. I hear about it all the time. I was at a fishing expo in Park Rapids uh, a while ago, and that was something that was really important to everybody there was we got to stop AIS. Park Rapids area right now is in pretty good shape compared to some of the other areas, uh, but they're really proactive about it, and that's right. that's really important. I think we're definitely getting there, and there's been huge strides in this. I think most of the public would agree with the things that we're talking about here. Yeah. Right. Uh, so are we going to get to the point where everybody's there before it's too late? That's the question, I guess. So. Absolutely. All right, Dr. Andrew Hafes is the aquatic biologist at Bemidji State University, always here to answer the tough-to-answer questions. Andy, thanks for your time today. Yep, no problem.